Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Listen, I am willing to protect you from some people that say that you're very boring. I think you know you're that. willing to protect our listeners from me, <laughs> which I respect. Professor Daniel Kahneman won the Nobel Prize for Behavioral Economics, talks about the fact that we don't choose between experiences, we choose between the memory of experiences. And when I first heard that, I thought, wow, that's just so significant. But I, I, I enjoy the fact that we, we have these episodes periodically where we, we do spend 20 minutes or half an hour really going into depth on some of these important ideas. Ryan, we've made it, mate. 200 episodes. Congratulations, Colin. People oh. said it could never happen. Well, it was mostly <laughs> me who said it would never happen. And most people wish it hadn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is our 200th episode. Do you believe that? that I mean, that's kind of a lot. I, I looked it up before we started recording, and uh, Seinfeld, arguably the best sitcom ever, yeah. uh, only had 180 episodes. So we are... Go. We have, we're now better than Seinfeld is what, uh, is what yeah. I'd like to announce. Yeah. You know, I did some stats on this earlier. It's 100 hours of talking and 30 minutes of information. Yeah, yeah. No, that, <laughs> that proportion sounds about right. Um, <laughs> uh, so thank you, uh, dear listener. You've got us to the 200th episode. I have to say, Ryan and I both thought when we started this, and we actually started this as a webinar, didn't we? Do you remember that? We did. We did, uh, yes. It was a sort of a fortnightly webinar that we decided that we we're going to do uh, and then converted it into a podcast uh, back in the day. And then we decided that our faces were not helping anything. And uh, <laughs> that's, right. I mean, that's just good marketing insight there. <laughs> it really is. Know your audience, yeah. Now we're at 200. So that's absolutely great. It's really been a stunning journey. And I'd like to thank everybody who has been listening to the show over those 200 episodes. I have to say, Ryan and I just enjoy doing this. It, it is. It's just fun. And I mean, we love interacting with the people who are listening and and we appreciate the words of thanks thank you so much for those of you who write in or call in with that kind of, of feedback and and suggestions for new things it's just it's been great it's been really wonderful and just in case you're interested this show believe it or not now is in the top five percent of podcasts globally each episode average listeners get about when there's about two and a half thousand downloads that doesn't mean listeners but it's a lot of people, a lot of people. So thank you very much for uh, all of your support over that period of time. In order to increase the number of listeners, we are now going to be switching over to being a Pokemon <laughs> podcast and, and talk exclusively about Pokemon. We, we just we think that that's, there's going to be more listeners there. There's a future there. Yes. There's got to be. Yes. So today, what are we going to talk about today for the 200th episode? Well, what better topic than to take a look at some of the three shows that Ryan and I, uh, so six shows in total, that we think were the best shows and why. 
And we'll uh, obviously put the links to those shows in the show notes. If you haven't listened to them, then I genuinely suggest that you do. Certainly, I think they're really worth a, a good listen. And the second thing we're going to do is, so that's the sort of look back. The second thing we're going to do is a look forward. So we've come up with an idea, which is the way of trying to help people in a little bit more with a new theme topic. I don't know what you call it, segment of the show. Could be even a complete show. And we're going to call it, I'm in a pickle. Now, I'm sure that when you, some people listening to this that, don't speak English as their first language, will think to themselves, well, what does that mean? You know, And when you actually analyse it, Ryan, saying I'm in a pickle doesn't exactly mean very much, does it? Uh, no, yeah. If, if people are hoping for an explanation of, of why that's an idiom and what that means, we do not know. <laughs> so I'm in a pickle is about problems, okay? What we want you to do for the future is to to basically let us know of some of the challenges that you have. And what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to give you some advice on what to do. And that's going forward. So we're going to start the show off by taking a look back. The going forward piece is we're going to, in future weeks, have this segment called I'm in a Pickle, where we hopefully will get some problems from you, the listener, and we can then pick those apart and tell you what we think you could do. It can be totally anonymous. You could write in and go, my boss is an idiot. <laughs> and, um, you know, what can I do about it? We've all had bosses that are like that. If, for example, you wanted to write in and say, my my podcast co-host is really bothering me and uh, I just I can't stand his English accent. You know, we will take those. We will take those letters. Yeah, but can we'll- I just say here, right, anyone in Beyond Philosophy don't email in because I can tell you the domain name. Yeah, will have if you do, go ahead and it. set up a Gmail for that. Um, <laughs> your people are smart enough to know how to do this, Colin. They'll, they'll figure it out. So I'm in a pickle will be about problems. Just write in and tell us what your problems are and we'll attempt to resolve them. We'll talk about it a bit later anyway. Let's get on. Let's talk about three episodes, each of us, which we believe have been the best episodes uh, over that period of time. This was fun, Colin. We, we got to go back through the back catalog and re-listen to a bunch of old stuff. I like to think of this as, as kind of the Academy Awards of this podcast, <laughs> where we've, we've decided to award several of our own podcasts that we recorded ourselves, and like that. we also serve as the judges on. It's very introspective. Yes, I like that. So what's your first one, Ryan? What's the best podcast we've done, you think, over the last 200? Sure. Well, I mean, at first, I'd like to thank the Academy. (laughs) It's such an honor even to be nominated. The first one that I'll choose is actually kind of a fairly recent one that we did. Colin, this was actually your idea to start the series of of five rules episodes, which we do periodically once a month or so, where we kind of condense some wisdom about some some topic into to five simple rules or five places to start. Yep. And one of the recent five rules episodes we did was five rules for ensuring behavioral science works for your business. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, I, I really I enjoyed that one. Um, I enjoyed putting it together. I thought I thought the recording worked well for us. And and what I liked about that one was most of the podcast is breaking down behavioral science and giving people advice on it. And topic by topic, I'm hoping that's interesting and useful to people. 
But then there are also some higher order issues regarding just the nuts and bolts of how behavioral science applies to the real world. And so I hope that 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 particular episode provided some useful advice for how to get this stuff to work, how to move it beyond theory to something that would actually be useful for people. Let me tell you the one thing that I remember from that. Okay. Please. Well, two things, actually. No, you said one. (laughs) So first of all, the interesting thing was it actually came out of one of our listeners, Jeff, wrote into us asking us how he could do or advise his clients, I believe, on how to do behavioral science at zero cost, which is what we did the week before. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, that sort of sprung the idea off of um, this whole behavioral science piece. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we we came up with some advice on how to do behavioral science on the cheap. That was another episode. We're sneaking in a seventh episode recommendation <laughs> this way. And now that was a good one as well. Uh, but yeah, in the process of coming up with those five rules, we decided we realized that there would be room for kind of more general advice on this topic also. So the thing I particularly liked about it, and if I was critical about the earlier episodes that we did, was we took a principle from behavioral science, you know, something like peak end rule or something like that. And we then said, okay, so this is how it applies. The point you made, which I think was really good, was that you need to work out what your goal is and then define the behavioral science principles that can back that up rather than go, hey, I've just found out this new piece of information like the halo effect. Now, what can I do with it? This is really good. That's totally the wrong way of of going about it. It's totally the wrong way. It's also super natural way to approach this. Like when we learn about these things, we get excited about them and we want to apply them. The reality is you need to learn about these things and create kind of a, a toolbox full of approaches and then then you'll be in a better position to start with the goal and then look and see what tool is going to fit this problem the best as opposed to here's a hammer what do i hit with it yeah and to be fair that's part of our thinking about this i'm in a pickle situation or segment should i say in other words i've got this problem okay you and i can then look at our toolbox and go well this is how we're to therefore solve it as opposed to we've got this wonderful idea, now let's look for a problem to try to fit it against, which I think a lot of businesses do. All right, well, that was my first. Colin, what uh, what episode did you want to grant the award to? I wanted to grant the award to how Apple uses psychology to construct an outstanding experience. I'm going to go ahead and call that the best supporting actor role since Apple <laughs> is the silent partner on all of these. Um, since you keep bringing them up as an You know, I'm going to have to give Tim Cook a call and ask him if he could sponsor this. <laughs> I, I do recognize that I do go on about them. I, I suspect he would say, why should we pay you when you're already doing it? <laughs> yeah, good point. Well made. Yeah, no, I I love that episode too. Why did you pick that one? The reason I picked it was because it sort of encompasses what we're trying to do on the show, I guess, which is to look at the theory, but then see it actually working, okay? In preparation for the show, one of the things I was doing was listening back to some of these episodes, as we mentioned earlier. When I think of Apple, and I think of some of the things they do really well, one of the first things that comes to mind is I feel like it's a tribe. 
I feel like I'm part of a community. I think I've said this before, but when I go into an Apple shop, I don't feel I'm going into a shop. I feel I'm going into a club. It's how they've taken, and I don't necessarily think that what they've done is gone, let's look at our experience from a behavioral science perspective. But I think that what they have done is they've just done a good number of things which you can therefore start ticking off against some of the um, the behavioral science stuff. So even things like the halo effect and pricing, the way that they do their pricing, they're not the cheapest, but they don't care. And actually that goes towards the perception of, in my view, the perception of quality. Yep. And we went through, I think, 10 different things in that episode where you can actually see some of the theory of what we talk about and what we've been talking about actually come into manifest itself in an experience. And again, I know I'm biased, but I think Apple do produce a good experience and therefore it goes, you know, our company and beyond the philosophy and you're actually doing it rather than just talking about it. I realized that in picking out these episodes, we definitely played into our own biases. Part of what no, I, I've enjoyed I don't about that. <laughs> mostly you. I mean, I'm I'm not that biased, <laughs> but part of what I've enjoyed about uh, working on this podcast for the last 200 episodes, Colin. In addition to it just being enjoyable and fun, I appreciate that we have different perspectives on this stuff and that we bring our own experiences to it. And so you you picked this Apple episode in part because it was a way of practically explaining a lot of different principles. The episode that I'm going to choose next um, is one called, Are You Using This Valuable Marketing Tool for Growth? And it's an episode about the availability heuristic, which is a really important behavioral science finding that I'll explain in just a second. But I loved this episode because I felt like we went into some depth on it. Right. Um, and so I think that reflects kind of the two perspectives that we we bring to this. And, and part of why I, I like working with you and like the podcast that we make together yeah. you know, is, is that you do have this hard-nosed practical bias. And I do have this theory by like, I, I would talk in depth about all this stuff. As you know, as you have to constantly restrain me, um, <laughs> I Listen, love the theory of this. Stuff. I am willing to protect you from some people that say that you're very boring. I think you know you're that. willing to protect our listeners <laughs> from me, which I respect. Uh, yeah, no, um, but I do. I like, I, I loved that. And even in that episode, you kept me honest and, and we did talk about the practical implications of it. Yeah. But I, I, I enjoy the fact that we, we have these episodes periodically where we, we do spend 20 minutes or half an hour really going into depth on some of these important ideas. Having said that, do you want to give people a high-level view of it? Now let me try to explain this in less than 20 minutes. <laughs> the availability heuristic is the idea that when things come to mind easily or we, um, we are able to easily imagine them, we feel like they're more likely to happen. So it's a pretty straightforward idea, but very, very powerful. So when we're reading a lot of news stories about something or when something was recent, then we feel like it's very likely it'll happen again or it'll happen to us. And this just biases us in all kinds of interesting ways. I was watching TV the other night, actually, and it, and it came, and I think it was Shark Attack Week or something yes. stupid. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that's the classic example, isn't yes. it? Yes. To a first approximation, sharks kill no one ever. 
Like it's just vanishingly small. But because it's so easy for us to imagine it happening in part because of Shark Week and Sharknado, which I assume was a documentary um, about a tornado full of sharks. It was a <laughs> movie that I saw and I'm pretty sure it was a documentary. But it's very easy for us to imagine. And so we have this outsized fear of sharks and then being attacked by sharks. Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? So, you know, whatever the people are talking about a lot yes. means that we think that because of that being widely available, that that must be the that must be the case. Yes. If there's a lot of news about ransomware attacks, it makes us feel like it it's a, a greater likelihood that it'll happen to us whether or not it it actually is a, a an increased risk that may have been a bad example because i do think that actually is a risk and you should definitely <laughs> talk to your it person about it but the point is the more we hear about it the more afraid we get of it. yeah i can see the headlines tomorrow <laughs> top professor at emory university says ransomware attacks are nothing to worry about <laughs> i mean you know all press is good press, I guess, if people want to write that headline out. Okay, so let me go on to my next one. And my next one is the massive importance of memory in a customer experience. Now, again, Ryan, the danger is you're right about these biases, mate, because this episode <laughs> could go on for four hours because we, we've picked out our favorite ones and our favorite ones, and therefore we could talk a lot about them. Yeah. Who would have guessed that Colin would pick an episode where we talk about memory, his <laughs> single favorite topic ever? Yeah, it is, it is. But for those of you that haven't listened to this, you should, okay? Because for me memory is massively important okay well for everybody memory is massively important but Kahneman Professor Daniel Kahneman won the Nobel Prize for Behavioral Economics talks about the fact that we don't choose between experiences we choose between the memory of experiences and when I first heard that 10-15 years ago I thought wow that's just so significant and that let me repeat it we don't choose between experiences, we choose between the memory of those experiences. And therefore, I'm not going to rattle on about it because uh, you know I will, but being able to work out how a memory is formed is really, 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 really important. And there are two ways. First way is what Kahneman talks about is the peak end rule, which looks at the peak emotion that you feel and the end emotion that you feel and therefore that has implications to customer experience so you know where is the peak part of your experience where's the end part of your experience what's the customer feeling in those areas the other area that i i think is just an outstanding analogy is the fishing analogy do you want to give that ryan because that was invented by you it was that's, that was my contribution so the the fishing net analogy there's this old idea in memory research that our memories are these these network structures. So it's it's all these ideas and feelings that are connected to each other in some way. And so I, I ask my students and our listeners to imagine this as a fishing net that's laid out at the bottom of a shallow pool. And the fishing net is this network, all these ideas that are connected to each other. So when you activate a memory, you activate a node in that network or a knot in this fishing net. And uh, so you pull that up towards the surface where you, of, of this shallow pool where you can actually remember it and it comes to mind. But when you do that, you're also pulling up all the nodes that are around it. 
So as we, we think about some brand or think about some experience, we're remembering that thing, but then we're also remembering a bunch of other things that are related to it. And some of those things don't even break the surface of the water. So some of those memories become more active, but may not be reach the level of consciousness. So the idea is that, that when you're remembering something, you're never remembering just one thing. You're remembering a cluster of things, some of which may influence you without you even being aware of it. So again, if you haven't listened to that show, you need to go and listen to it because it is really fundamental and, and, and I think massively important. What's your next one, Ryan? The third one that I picked, again, is representative of a class of episodes that we do. We occasionally invite on experts to speak with us about various topics. And I, I feel like we've had a lot of really interesting, fun experts come in and talk to us over the years book authors and, and um, you know, consultants and experts in field, but then also a lot of my friends from academia. And so on. Well, both on, of them anyway. Both, a lot of, a lot of friends <laughs> and, and more often a lot of acquaintances. And I think, that, let, let me just pause you there before you go on and, and, and explain this one, because I do think this is one of the things that makes this podcast different. And that is that we don't have lots of guests on, and we are very selective about the guests that we do have on. The easy thing to do is have a guest on because it doesn't mean that we have to prepare for very much and talk about very much and all those types of things. But for me, that's not the issue. The The issue for me is is having some continuity and having a sort of a, a, a thought pattern that goes through the whole of the, the podcast. But having said that, there are some guests that we have had on, and Ron's just going about to go into one of them, that have been really good. But we are extremely selective about the guests that we, we have on the show. It's a good point, and I'm glad that you, you made it so that our listeners are, are aware of kind of our philosophy in putting the podcast together. It, there's a reason why there are so many interview podcasts out there, and it's exactly what Colin says. It's Those are super easy to produce. Yeah, We are more selective. So you and I had a conversation about um, artificial intelligence, and I said, well, why don't we get a professor on here who studies that to do that? Yep. Another one, and this is the episode that I'm, I'm, I selected for us, you, you've been very interested in facial recognition technology. Yep. And I said, well, you know, I've, I've read a little bit about it. You have read a little bit about it. But I said, I've got a friend who does this research. So we had on Professor William Hedgecock from the University of Minnesota. And he's actually done peer-reviewed research using facial recognition technology. And he was able to explain to us how the technology works. And then we actually had to split this into two episodes. Uh, so one of them is called, Is Facial Recognition Creepy or Just the Future? After we were done explaining what this technology was, we actually dug into the customer experience part of it, which is how are people going to react to the fact that their faces are being monitored and computers are kind of deconstructing their emotions based on their micro expressions and that kind of thing. And I, and I thought we just we had a really interesting conversation about what makes something creepy and how yeah. can we make these things less creepy and, and how can we reap the benefits for our customers without turning them off and making them feel intruded upon. And I just, I enjoy Bill a lot. I think he's he's brilliant. And I thought he did a great job explaining this stuff for us. Yeah, I agree. And, and one of the key things I remember from that is the difference between facial recognition and facial expression. So facial recognition is going, this, this is, is Ryan, iPhone, right? this is the Ryan, this is the person walking down the street or whatever it may be. Facial expression is just reading and encoding 
the expressions on your face, the micro expressions that Ryan spoke about. Uh, and therefore you can see the pupils get larger. You can see the eyebrow raise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that technology, you would know that this person is happy, but you wouldn't know who this person is. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that for me is a really important difference in custom experience. Okay. And again, you're right about, you know, is it creepy? Because one side of it, you're looking at a person and saying, what's this person doing? Okay. The other side of it, you're looking at how is that customer feeling? Okay. And ways that that can get used are things like just looking at your digital experience. And obviously you do this with customers. Okay. So in other words, you're not doing this in a clandestine way, you're signing customers up to do it, but they could look at your digital experience and therefore you could see how the customer is feeling going through that digital experience and see where they're feeling disappointed or happy or whatever it may be. The specific research that Bill told us about when he was on, uh, they looked at security camera footage at a cafeteria on campus. Yep. And they were able to read the emotions that the average customer had coming into the cafeteria based on the time of day and the day of the week. And, yep. and they were able to actually make some recommendations about the types of food they should carry based on these emotional reactions. It was fascinating work. And um, I love that we had, we had him on. Yep. No, absolutely. And that, I guess, goes into my next one or my last one, which was the episode was called what is customer science? And I was explaining this to somebody the other day. The phrase I came up with really helped, I think. This is a new variant of customer experience. Everyone's getting very used to the word variant with within the pandemics. I was going to say, I'm not sure I like the connotation of that, Colin, but okay. Yeah. But customer science for me is a sort of a variant of customer experience. And what I mean by that is what I'm seeing is that customer experience, first of all, we know, and we again, we've had some episodes on this, is has been stagnating, according to a number of reports, not least of which have been people like uh, Forrester and a couple of others. And therefore, where does the future lie? Again, for me, it's in this customer science part. And the customer science part, again, I'm, I'm not going to go on for hours on about this, but customer science part, there's three bits for me. It's made up, customer science is data, okay? Because we all know there's massive amounts of data out there, but there's actually not much data on emotions, but data. AI, which again, clearly is the future, okay? But the other element that hasn't been really looked at a lot has been the memory side or the behavioral science side of things. So if we stick memory under behavioral science for a moment, you've got sort of three big blocks. You've got data, you've got AI, and you've got behavioral science. And therefore, the combination of those three things is going to be able to people are going to be able to not just understand how the customer is feeling entering the experience, but they are going to be able to segment in different ways and effectively dynamically segment uh, customers based upon what they do, not what they say they're going to do. And AI is then going to be able to analyze that yeah, and then be able to proactively really important word, yeah, proactively provide an experience, okay? 
And I think that is really fundamental going forward. And, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if in 10 years time, we're sitting here talking about customer science as being the new wave and as being as big as customer experiences is today. But again, I'm not going to rattle on. I'd honestly be surprised if you and I were still speaking in 10 years. I feel like. <laughs> well, you know what, mate? We may be on the thousandth, thousandth, that's easy for you to say, the thousandth <laughs> episode by then. Might, might, I, you never know. I think, I think in 10 years, we may be conducting this from, you know, you calling in from your prison where, where, <laughs> when, when they, they finally catch up with you. Um, we might be able to continue with that. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be really good fun. It does make you wonder how long we're going to carry on for, but then, you know. <laughs> Here's what I would suggest people do. Genuinely, go and listen to those six, okay? Because they're, they are all really good. Certainly, I'm proud of those episodes, and there's a hell of a lot of learning in there. And whilst we've given you the headlines, there's so much more information in in each of those episodes. The other thing I'd I'd ask you to do is to give some thought to this whole bit about I'm in a pickle, okay? If you don't understand something we've just been talking about on an episode, if you've got a problem that you want to get some advice on through Ryan and I, that could either end up being a whole show or it could just end up being a segment in a show, then please just drop us a line, okay? Drop us a line at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Generally, you don't have to mention your, we won't mention your name on the show if you don't want us to do that. But we'd like to start to get some of these in. We've already got some in that we're going to be addressing over the next few weeks. But we'd like to start to get some of these in so we can then start to hopefully add some value in terms of A, solving the problem but also adding some value of uh, other people that have got those problems. What, what can they do about it? I hope that people respond to this. We've said from the beginning that we want to make this useful. We want this to be a resource for people. You and I have both really enjoyed when we've gotten some of these in the past. And so as a part of this, rebrand is a strong word, but as a part of this refreshing, this new push uh, after our 200th episode, this is one of the things that you and I decided would be fun to try to do more of try to get more engagement on that front. And so when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like you've got a a problem that you just don't know how to approach or, or even some idea that you've read about that you're having trouble understanding, any of those kinds of things, let us know. We would love to be involved. Yep. And it goes back to that old principle I love, which is none of us are as clever as all of us. So, so please contact us, contact at beyondphilosophy.com, contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And guess what? Next week is the 201st episode. Blimey. Only another 300 and then we're at 500. So if if you haven't liked the 200 episodes up till now, don't worry. We're pretty sure we're going to figure this out at some point. You never know. We'll get it right soon. Thanks a lot, everyone. Talk to you soon. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.